Both San Diego State and St. Mary's lost over the weekend, meaning your Gonzaga Bulldogs are once again, as they always were, the number one team on the West Coast. We'll talk about that and preview some of this game against Eastern Oregon, all coming up on today's Locked on Zags podcast. You are Locked on Zags, your daily podcast on the Gonzaga Bulldogs. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. What is going on, y'all? Welcome to the Locked On Zags podcast. Happy Tuesday. Happy game day. I'm your host and longtime Gonzaga podcaster, Andy Patton, here to bring you news and updates on all things Zag athletics. Today's episode of Locked On Zags is brought to you by LinkedIn Jobs. These days, every new potential hire can feel like a high stakes wager for your small business. And that's why LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the right people for your team faster and for free. So post your job for free right now at LinkedIn.com slash Locked On College. Terms and conditions apply. Well, folks, we're going to talk about tonight's game against Eastern Oregon. What we'll be looking for. This is a team that Gonzaga beat by 70-plus points last year, so not a lot of mystery in the result. But what does that mean for some playing time situations? We'll get to that. We're also going to talk about Gonzaga's four players in the G League season got started a few days ago. Drew Timmy's put together some great performances. Admon Gilder had a surprisingly great performance for the G League Ignite, but nothing compares to Malachi Smith dropping a 30-burger for the Rip City Remix. We will get to that. But I want to start today's show with the first AP poll of the season. I guess the second AP poll of the season, the first AP poll that has come out after there have actually been games played. Of course, Gonzaga has only played one game, one of the few teams in college basketball who has only got one game on their resume up to this point. And the AP voters did what I pretty much expected them to do with Gonzaga, which is leave them alone. They began the season in the preseason at number 11 in the AP poll after one week, after a 15-point victory over Yale. They remain at number 11 in the AP poll, and that feels completely correct. I don't know why you would really have any strong feelings moving Gonzaga up or down at this point. There are certainly some teams around them that have done some things that have merited changes. Michigan State fell way down after their loss to James Madison, but ultimately Gonzaga still finds themselves just outside the top 10, I think a, a Completely defensible and reasonable place to have them right now. I don't think things will change after they curb stomp Eastern Oregon here on Tuesday evening. That shouldn't really change a whole lot of their rankings. Uh, And then, of course, as we get into the week after that, we'll have Purdue, either Tennessee or Syracuse, follow-up game against some combination of Kansas, Marquette, UCLA, or Chaminade. Either way, Gonzaga is going to get themselves a huge test, multiple huge tests in that Feast Week games. We will know a bunch more about who Mark Few Zags are after that game. So for now, AP poll is content leaving Gonzaga right where they are. I think that is completely reasonable. The teams they are behind right now in that top 10, many of them are teams Gonzaga might or will definitely face in that Maui Invitational. Kansas and Purdue are one and two. Arizona jumps all the way up to three after going to Cameron Indoor Stadium and beating the Duke Blue Devils. You tend to get a pretty big bump. When you do that, Marquette also in that Maui Invitational, they come in at number four. So three top five teams are going to be in Maui. That is crazy. I guess I should say in Hawaii, since the tournament is not actually being played in Maui. Uh, So Kansas, Purdue, Arizona, Marquette is top four. UConn at five, another team Gonzaga will be facing this season. Houston comes in at six. Tennessee 
still part of that Maui Invitational. They come in at number seven. Creighton comes in at eight. Duke comes in at number nine. And rounding out the top 10 last year's final four, darling, Florida Atlantic University, another one of the few teams that only has one game on their resume to this point. They stick around just inside the top 10. So Gonzaga is the top-ranked team on the West Coast. And some of you might be thinking, Arizona, look, there's no coast in Arizona. So I'm calling West Coast teams, teams that are literally on the West Coast. I know we typically consider the Pac-12 as being a West Coast conference, and that's a reasonable thing to take. Of course, Arizona is going to be in the Big 12 starting next year, so I'm not sure if we'll continue to count them as a West Coast program. Regardless, the main point here is that Gonzaga's rivals on the West Coast Gonzaga's competition to be the best of the West hasn't looked all that good so far this season. San Diego State is not ranked. St. Mary's is not ranked. UCLA is not ranked. USC is ranked. We'll get to them momentarily, but let's start by having a little fun. Let's start by remembering that on Sunday evening, after most of the AP voters had probably already submitted their top 25s or were planning to submit their top 25s with St. Mary's, probably somewhere between I don't know, 12 and 22. That's where it seems like most people had them. And they said, all right, we're going to submit this along. We're good. Assuming St. Mary's beats Weber State, which they were 16 and a half point favorites, no questions there. My bracket is, or my top 25 is done. And then in the second half, for a six-minute stretch against the Weber against Weber State, the St. Mary's couldn't score. The Gales went completely ice cold. Weber State climbed all the way back into that game, ended up holding on for a victory, stunning the Gales at their home arena. And now they're out. They're out of the top 25. A disastrous loss for Randy Bennett and the Gales. Not an insurmountable loss. They will be fine. They will come back from this but certainly a loss that no longer has the question of which team should we rank higher, Gonzaga or St. Mary's. Preseason polls had St. Mary's higher. I understood why. I know a lot of people you know, use that as motivation, as frustration. I get it, but St. Mary's returned basically everybody. They did lose Logan Johnson. They lose Kyle Bowen. Those are really talented players, but with Aiden Mahaney coming back, with Mitchell Saxon coming back, with Mason Forbes getting eligibility, like I understood why St. Mary's was, was perceived so highly coming into the year. I really do. But this is the kind of thing that happens to St. Mary's because of the style they play, because they have this plotting, slow, not not very many possession style offense, they can get caught up in games like this. This doesn't happen as often to Gonzaga. And that's not to say that Gonzaga cannot lose to bad teams. We all were here last year. They lost to LMU for the first time since 1991, but it was the first time since 1991 they lost to LMU in Spokane, I should say. They don't lose to bad teams very often because they can go on a 14, 16, 18 nothing run like that because of their pace, because of the way that they play stylistically. If St. Mary's gets down, it's hard for them to crawl back into games. They rely on being hyper-efficient offensively, and when they are, when they are playing efficient offensive basketball and that defense is slowing teams down, forcing them to take you know 29 seconds off the shot clock. Meanwhile, St. Mary's takes 28 seconds off the shot clock as well. They can beat anybody. We, we know that they're capable of beating just about anybody with the style that they play. But it can lead to these kinds of games as well. And when they have a, a cold stretch, when Mahaney can't hit a shot, when the offense falls apart, anybody can beat them. 
you just don't see that as often with Gonzaga. And, and I think that that is an, an unfortunate byproduct of the style that Randy Bennett plays. I should say unfortunate for Randy Bennett and the Gales, not necessarily unfortunate for many of you, but it's led to a situation where St. Mary's no longer ranked. And while this is, you know, I know Gonzaga fans are happy to see St. Mary's lose to a school like Weber State. I get it. It's not good for Gonzaga long-term. It doesn't help them that the best thing to happen is St. Mary's crawls their way back into the top 25 and then Gonzaga beats them and kicks them out of the top 25. We should be the team doing that. So hopefully that'll be the case for St. Mary's. But right now, Gonzaga's clearly up top. San Diego State loses to BYU. They go to the Marriott Center where they're 4-30 and 30 in their career and get beat again. Lose by nine. They have some injuries. I think San Diego State's going to get a rebound. They're going to be fine. Again, another team, Gonzaga, gets a chance to play in late December. Uh, cool to see BYU pick up a really big marquee win in the non-conference before they start their Big 12 slate where they're going to play a whole bunch of really good teams throughout the season. But right now, San Diego State's out of the top 25. Uh St. Mary's out of the top 25. UCLA has not made it back into the top 25. They have a very new roster, tons of turnover, some young guys, Ade Mara, John Vide, who just haven't played much yet. I think once they get more acclimated to, to Mick Cronin's system and what's going on at UCLA, I think that team could end up being really, really good, but they're just not there yet, which means the only team on the West Coast, as I've defined it, that is in the top 25 outside of Gonzaga is USC, who is 16th, five spots behind Gonzaga. And we're going to know, we're going to know exactly how Gonzaga stacks up to that USC squad on December 2nd when they face them in Las Vegas. It's going to be an absolute blast. I will be at that game. Come say hi if you're there as well. Going to be a really, really fun matchup. But point here, Gonzaga once again resides where they pretty much have always belonged at the very top of the West Coast in terms of college basketball. We'll see if they can stick there. They got themselves a, a matchup on Tuesday on tonight against Eastern Oregon. Look, this is a team they beat by 70-plus points, but that does not mean there are not some key things we can be watching for in this game, some things to keep an eye on, especially with this team's crop of very young players. We're going to get into all of that. But first, I want to tell you about today's sponsor, Jace Medical. Folks, you and I spend a lot of time talking together. We get fired up on wins. We get fired up when St. Mary's loses like we just did there. We're talking about who's starting, who's sitting, how many minutes is Ryan Nembhard really going to play this year, all of that. And I'm really thankful that we have that connection. And today, I want our chat to be a little bit more personal. Whether you're on an extended travel, whether you're bracing for a major weather event, or limited by yet another supply chain shortage, you are covered. Thanks to our partners at Jace Medical, life-saving antibiotics and a long list of daily medications can be ordered in a one-year supply. That includes ED generics like Cialis and Viagra prescriptions as well. So go online right now at jacemedical.com to receive your 12-month supply on your daily medication. Remember to use the promo code LOCKEDON at checkout for a discount as well. A verified customer had this to say about Jace. Quote, I am thankful for this service. Supply chain issues caused me to cut pills in half in order to have them. I ordered most of my daily meds with a year's supply. I also ordered an antibiotic kit. I feel secure now. Prices are lower than local pharmacies, and I highly recommend this for everyone. So if you or someone you love would like to get a peace of mind by having a year's supply of any daily medication, go to jacemedical.com to see if it's offered for you. And remember to use the promo code LOCKEDON for $20 off your first purchase. March Madness is right around the corner. If you want to win your office pool, you need to stay caught up with all the college basketball action with the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Every Monday, Andy Patton and Isaac Shade recap the biggest stories in college basketball, keep you up to date on the NCAA tournament bubble, and get you ready for the upcoming week of games. 
From the Big East to the Mountain West and everywhere in between, Andy and Isaac have college hoops covered on the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. All right, folks, thank you so much for making this show your first listen and your first watch of the day. I appreciate all of you. Shout out to those everyday listeners as well. Shout out to those of you checking out the show on YouTube. And a major shout out to those of you hanging out with us in our Discord channel. We are very close to 250 subscribers in the channel. We have live animated chats every single day talking about all of college basketball, talking about Gonzaga, talking about St. Mary's losing. We're talking about everything going on around Gonzaga. We're talking about the women's soccer team, the women's basketball team, all sorts of stuff. There's a link in the show notes click it free to join you will be able to hang out with us 24 7. right now though we're going to talk about eastern oregon the gonzaga's playing eastern oregon tuesday 6 p.m again as the games have been previously this game should be on khq in spokane it should be on espn plus for out of market people again if you want to get make sure that you can find a stream to the game definitely join us on the discord channel we make sure that everybody's taken care of and has an ability to watch the game uh, just because we've still kind of adjusting to the new espn plus and everything going on with the tv deals but this is not an opponent we're going to spend a lot of time on we talked for an entire segment about Yale, who they are, newcomers, four returning starters, all that good stuff, because Yale's a really good team. But with Eastern Oregon, they're an NIIA school. Gonzaga beat by 78 points last year. There could be some lengthy conversation about Gonzaga scheduling opponents like this. Not my favorite thing in the world. Would rather see this as an exhibition game, but hey, it happens. And what is going to happen now is Gonzaga is going to have an opportunity in what should be a significant blowout victory. They're going to have an opportunity to maybe experiment with new things, try different lineup combinations, play some of the younger guys. And that's what I want to focus on here is what are the things that I'm going to be looking for, hoping for, watching for, et cetera, in tonight's game against Eastern Oregon. And number one is probably the second most talked about thing since Gonzaga's season started outside of Braden Huff. And that's Ryan Nemhard's minutes multiple, multiple mailbag questions coming in every week, talking about it extensively on the Discord channel. Is Ryan Nemhart going to play every single minute for Gonzaga basketball this season? The answer is no. Hopefully, the answer is no, I should say. And I think this is the first time where we're going to see him not reach that threshold. Frankly, I'll be completely honest here. I'll be upset if he plays more than 25 minutes. There is no reason in this game for him to play more than 25 minutes. Just no reason. I guess unless he's really close to getting a triple-double and Mark Few wants to let him out there so he can be the first Gonzaga player to get a triple-double since Joel Iai, maybe that's fine. That's fine. I'll, I will allow that begrudgingly. But And, and I get there's a big gap here, a 10-day gap from the last game, a six-day gap until they play Purdue. But there's just no reason for Ryan Nemhard to play huge minutes in the games that, that will hopefully be determined by halftime. It's not sustainable for him to continue to play 40 minutes every night. But he played 40 minutes in the Baylor scrimmage. He played 40 minutes against Yale. I think there's a good chance he plays close to 40 minutes against Purdue. And that'll be interesting to see how that shakes out because they'll have a game the next day. And then they'll have a game after that. So they don't want to rest Ryan Nempart if they're anywhere in competition with Purdue. But unless they blow out Purdue or, knock on wood, get blown out by Purdue, which happened last year, they're going to keep Ryan Nempart on the floor. But this is not a game where that needs to happen. And what needs to happen in this game or what should happen is a lot of Luka Krajinovich. Because at the end of the day, Gonzaga is going to need Luka Krajinovich to be in the rotation. He's not going to be a big player, I don't think, this year, even with the injury to Steel Venters, which obviously hurt the team's depth. But it is clear that Luka Krajinovich will need to play minutes this year. 
he probably will not play in the games against Purdue and San Diego State and UConn and St. Mary's and those types of games. But this is the kind of game he should play in because he needs to get that experience. He needs to be familiar with running the offense against an opposing team, playing the point guard position, playing off the ball, play Krinovich at the two and play Nolan Hickman at the one. Get him familiarity so that he can play both guard spots in a pinch when Gonzaga needs him. This is a game where I hope we see double-digit minutes from Luka Krinovich. I hope we see 15, 18, 20 minutes from Luka Krinovich. I'm not overly concerned with how he performs if he misses all of his shots, if he turns the ball over. Like, you know, we'll talk about it. Certainly, if he looks really bad, we'll have conversation about it. I don't think that's going to be the case. I think he will play completely fine in this game. In fact, I think he will play well enough that people will be clamoring for him to continue to get more playing time going forward. That's my expectation for him. But mostly, I'm not looking for exactly how he plays as much as I just want him to get on the floor and I want Ryan Nembhard to get off the floor. Number two for the things I'm watching for, can Jun Sakyo get into a rhythm? He hasn't played enough to do so. He has played sparingly. He has played spot minutes in Yale at the Yale game. He played spot minutes in the Lewis Clark exhibition game, and he looks tentative. He hacks up shots that are maybe a little too early in the shot clock, a little too uh, gun happy to, to take those shots. Uh, he just doesn't look super comfortable yet. And he's not going to magically all of a sudden look super comfortable in one game. But I think this is an opportunity for him to get an extended run. Play him for 10 straight minutes. Play him for 8 to 10 minutes twice. You know, get him 18, 16, 18 minutes total in this game. Why not? No reason not to get him extended playing time in this in this contest. Let him get more comfortable. Get him out in transition so he can score some easy buckets that way. A great way to boost your confidence is going out and get an easy bucket or a dunk. You know, get him some opportunities to shoot some threes and maybe knock one down. I don't think he's going to be an elite three-point shooter, but be not, you feel a lot better when you see the first one go down. And he hasn't done that yet. I think this is a good opportunity for him to do that. I think eight, 10, 12 minutes of action in this game, maybe a consistent stretch of seven or eight minutes consecutively where he can get more comfortable, get within the rhythm, get within the flow of the offense and defense and, and get a chance to play against guys that he's better than and should should play well against. I think this is a good opportunity. Again, it's not going to change his season necessarily, but it's a good opportunity for him to get out there and have his first game of, of kind of confidence of significant run in a Gonzaga uniform, because I think we're all waiting for that. And I think this is a good opportunity for him to kind of finally showcase some of those skills that we know are there that we just haven't quite seen from him yet. Number three, Braden Huff's encore. Look, this, this game is not going to give us a ton of insight into Huff. He might go out and absolutely obliterate this team. In fact, he probably will. Scored 21 points in the exhibition, or excuse me, yeah, 21 points in the exhibition game against Lewis Clark State, 19 points against Yale. What does he do for an encore? Does he score 20 again in this one? Does he not play as much because they experiment more with Ben Gregg lineups or, or do something different? What, what, what happens here with, with Braden Huff? For me, the only thing I'm really going to be looking for performance-wise, because I know he's going to be able to score against this team easily. I know he's going to be able to hit open shots. He's going to score around the rim. The things that we've already seen from him, the development we've already seen. But what I really want to see from him is defensively. And again, he might go out and block five shots in this game, but it may not tell us all that much because this is not a Division I caliber opponent but it's still what I'm going to be watching for. How does he look defensively compared to the other bigs? Does he look like somebody who can more capably fill a rim-protecting role, even against better teams? Again, Braden Huff blocking five shots in this game does not mean that Gonzaga has their answer on how to defend Zach Eady six days from now. It doesn't necessarily mean that, but it is something I want to see from him, and I will be watching for. His offensive performance, I think you take with a grain of salt in this game, but I do want to see how he does defensively. Next up, Dusty Stromer. We're sticking with the young guns. Triple-double watch. 
for Dusty Stromer. I'm half kidding. I, I mentioned the triple-double conversation with Ryan Nembard earlier, uh, but this is another chance for Dusty Stromer to start, another chance for him to be more comfortable on the first unit. You know, he, he spent presumably the entire summer uh, kind of expecting to be in the second unit. I don't know exactly how that conversation went, but I think it's only very recently that Dusty Stromer has kind of had to adjust to being a starter to starting the game, playing with the starting lineup right away. And I think it's another opportunity for him to get more comfortable doing so. Not that he looked uncomfortable against Yale. He did not. I think it's clear that Dusty's a little ahead defensively than where he is offensively. And this is a good opportunity. I would love for Dusty Stroman to lead the team in scoring in this game. I would love that because it means that they're trying to get him more involved offensively. He's not shy on offense, but I want to make sure that he's comfortable with his role. He knows what they're asking him to do because that role on that team prior to Steel Venters getting hurt was a spot-up shooter on the perimeter. Steel Venters was going to run to spots, move around offensively, but basically just stay on the perimeter and shoot threes. That's not Dusty Stromer's game. So how does he adjust to what he brings to the team? And how do the starters adjust to him being the player on the floor with them instead of Venters? This is a good game to try stuff. Take shots that maybe you wouldn't take against Yale. Try to make backdoor cuts. Maybe try to sneak some passes in there. Do stuff like that. I think this is a really good opportunity for Dusty to improve his offensive fit with this team and potentially put up some really big numbers. And finally, as we always do with with games like this, walk-on minutes. Let's see the dang walk-ons. Let's see Colby Brooks. Let's see five minutes of Colby Brooks. He's going to go out there and kill it in this game. And again, as he always does, when he comes out and plays well, people start clamoring for him to play more. And it's like, well, he's playing against, of course, he's going to look good against NAIA opponents. Like he would easily play well at that level. It's not to denigrate him or disrespect him. It's just when he's on the floor, he's typically playing against not very good opponents. So it makes him look better by comparison. Doesn't mean it's not super fun to see him out there on the floor. I would love to see some Colby Brooks, love to see some Joe Few. Always fun to see him. Don't think we're going to see Pavel Stosic. And if we do not, I think that is a as clear of an indication as we're probably going to get that he is redshirting this season, which he totally should. He joined the team in late September. The Zags already have four bigs. There's no reason for Stosic to not redshirt this season, but that would be uh, something to watch out for in this game. And maybe see the debut for uh, Q, Reyes Moore, who, who's a new walk-on who joined the team very recently as well. Would be fun to see him get on the floor for the first time. Now right, we're going to close out today's show discussing a 30-point outburst for Malachi Smith and a strong debut for Drew Timmy in the G League. All of that coming up after a word from today's sponsor, LinkedIn Jobs. Folks, these days, every new potential hire can feel like a high-stakes wager for your small business. We know you want to be 100% certain that you have access to the best and most qualified candidates available And that's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs, which helps find the right people for your team faster, and they do it for free. It's super easy to create a free job post, and then you just add your job in the purple hashtag hiring frame to your LinkedIn profile to spread the word that you're hiring. From there, simple tools like screening questions make it easy to focus on candidates who have just the right skills and experience so that you can quickly prioritize who you'd like to interview and ultimately hire. It's why small businesses rate LinkedIn Jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus the leading competitors. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the qualified candidates that you want to talk to faster. So post your job for free at linkedin.com slash college. That's linkedin.com slash college to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. All right, folks, closing out today's show. Talk about four Gonzaga alumni in their first two games each in the NBA G League. Of course, we have... 
11 Zags played in the NBA. Chet Holmgren's killing it. Julian Strother's looked fantastic as a rookie for the Denver Nuggets. DeMontis Sabonis continues to look like an all-star. We've seen great stuff from Corey Kispert, Rui Hachimura, Zach Collins. The list goes on and on and on. But I want to focus on the G League stars today. Because the G League season just got started a couple days ago. Each of our four Zag alumni who are playing in the G League have now played two games. Drew Timmy with the Wisconsin Herd, Malachi Smith with the Rip City Remix, and then both David Stockton and Admon Gilder playing for the G League Ignite. I just want to give you a little update on how those guys are doing. We'll start with Drew Timmy. Drew Timmy's played two games with the Wisconsin Herd, the G League affiliate of the Milwaukee Bucks. He, of course, signed with Milwaukee after not getting selected in the 2023 NBA draft, was with them during preseason, was cut, ended up re-signing with their G League affiliate in Wisconsin. In his first game against the Cleveland Charge, Timmy played 24 minutes. He had 13 points. He had 10 rebounds, 5 assists, and a block. Shot 5 of 7 from the field and 2 of 2 from the free throw line. That sounds like our boy right there, 13 and 10 in just 24 minutes, also distributing the ball extremely well with five assists. He came back in his second game also against the Cleveland Charge. Uh, pretty similar production. He only played 17 minutes, but he actually ended up with 17 points in this one, also five rebounds and a pair of steals. Shot seven of 10 from the field, two of three from the free throw line, and 0 of one from deep. That means Timmy's averaging 15 points, seven and a half boards, and shooting 71%. From the field, the big fella is back doing what he does best, and it's not going to be too long until he gets a look in the NBA. It's not. And look, I get it. I know that the defense is not there. I know that his ability to defend in space makes him a, a trickier player to play for 25 minutes a night in the NBA, but I wrote about this on ScoreZagScore. Score. If those of you who have not checked it out yet, just go to ScoreZagScore.com. Uh, Drew Timmy is like a a great candidate to get signed by a team like the Portland Trailblazers, who just lost Robert Williams III for a season-ending injury. They are thin on depth in the front court. They are not playing to win basketball games this year. Sign Drew Timmy, give him a shot. If it works out, great. You have yourself another young big. If it doesn't work out, fine. You're not trying to win basketball games anyway. I would love to see that. Obviously, I'm biased as a Portland Trailblazers fan. I will not hide that. But he is continuing to do well enough in the G League, starting the season at least, uh, to merit that kind of consideration. Speaking of guys meriting consideration by NBA teams like the Portland Trailblazers, Malachi Smith, two games so far with the Rip City Remix. First game, eight points, nine boards, six assists, and a steal. Really nice performance from him. Looked like he was on pace to potentially get a triple-double in the first Rip City Remix game in the of the entire franchise history. That would have been an incredible story for Malachi Smith. But we got another incredible story because in his second game, he – Not only topped that, he blew it out of the water in his second professional basketball game, Malachi Smith, 33 points. He also had nine rebounds, three assists, and a steal. He played 37 minutes in that game. Now, Portland was shuffling guys up and down. They had some injuries to their backcourt, brought up Skylar Mays from the G League, ended up signing Jamari Bouye. Shout out San Francisco Don's legend, Jamari Bouye. And it led to Malachi getting an opportunity to play big minutes for Rip City. And he went out 12-20 from the field, 5-10 of from deep, 3-3 from the free throw line. A fantastic performance. And the Blazers are desperate for guard help. It is unfortunate. I love Jamari Bouye. I think it's amazing that he signed with the Blazers. I'm really excited to see how he does as a backup guard in Portland. But it probably was at the expense of Malachi Smith, who may have gotten that opportunity otherwise. So hopefully Malachi does get a chance. At some point, I think if he continues to score 30 points in the rips with the Rip City remix, they're going to have no choice but to give him that opportunity. And hopefully it'll happen uh, sooner rather than later because I've been wanting some more Zags to play for the Portland Trailblazers. And if it's Malachi or Drew, I'm going to be all about it. Two more guys to talk about. David Stockton 
and Admon Gilder. David Stockton's played two games, 13 points, 10 assists in his first game, seven points, five assists in his second game. Admon Gilder had just two points and four boards in his first game with the G League Ignite, but rebounded to post a double-double off the bench uh, in his second game with the Ignite. 14 points, 10 boards, and an assist in 28 minutes in that game. Really cool to see Admon Gilder play. I mean, he's had the same amount of points as Ron Holland, a guy most are expecting to be the very first pick in the 2024 NBA draft. No, that does not mean Admon Gilder is about to become a draft prospect. Let's not get too far ahead of ourselves. No disrespect to Admon there, but it's cool that he's getting an opportunity to play on this team that is getting watched by a ton of scouts, a ton of analysts, a ton of draft people, and he's getting a chance to come off the bench, play 30 minutes a night, drop 14 points. That's fantastic. And beyond that, with David Stockton, he's continuing to vie to be the all-time assist leader in the G League. I believe he is third as of this recording right now. He 10 point, 10 assists in his first game, five assists in his second game. No reason he can't average eight or nine assists this season as he's done in the past. Basically, the entire reason the G League Ignite brought him onto their team was because he's an incredible facilitator and they want they want guys like Ron Holland to get buckets. They want their uh, draft ca- caliber players to get buckets and they want somebody to get them the basketball and nobody has done it better than David Stockton in the G League. And I've said this so many times on the show, but I like ending shows with this. There is a possibility. It is not even that far outside the realm of reality where someday the NBA's all-time leader in assists, the WNBA's all-time leader in assists, and the G League's all-time leader in assists all came from Gonzaga. Of course, John Stockton already there for the NBA. Courtney Vandersloot, very likely on pace to pass Sue Bird in all-time assists in the WNBA, provided she plays two or three more seasons. And David Stockton on pace to potentially get there in the G League as well would be an extraordinarily fun story to be able to talk about in the realm of Gonzaga basketball history. That's going to wrap us up for today here on the Locked on Zags podcast. We'll have more wrapping up this game on Wednesday against Eastern Oregon. We'll talk a little bit more about what's going on in the WCC, and we'll get you ready for the excitement that is the Maui Invitational next week. Hopefully have a big preview show lined up for you all on Friday. Thank you so much for making the show your first listen or your first watch of the day. Don't forget to join us on the Discord channel. Click on that link in the show notes below. Thanks again, and until next time, as always, go Zags.